At Kroger, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself. Because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You can save an extra $10 when you spend 40 or more on a great selection of participating items. Just look for the signs and save at Kroger. Do you sleep too well? Do you find yourself unafraid to go in your creepy basement? Are you too comfortable in the dark? Then come to haunted worlds of fun and get the fear scared back into you. On select nights, September 16th through October 29th, we'll frighten you so bad, you'll never turn the lights off again. Side effects may include sore throat from screaming, elevated heart rate, fear, hiccups, anxiety, hives, sweaty palms, and raised neck hair. Tickets as low as $29.99 for a very limited time, only at worldsoffun.com. The Tommy Chung Podcast is back, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back. And we're back. Oh, and so what's on next on the agenda? Where are oh, you going? Oh, oh, by the oh way? let's let's talk about you know Snoop came out, and I want to hear what you think about this. He came out yesterday, and first of all, Snoop's the he's the homie, and he he actually wished you a happy birthday oh, on he his did. Twitter. Oh, good, yeah, man. He's he shows a lot of love to you. But it was interesting because they're they're doing a did he did a remake of Roots right? And oh, yeah, coming out with Roots and a um, remake. They did a remake of oh, it. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, so who, they, who are they putting through that shit now? I don't know who the actors are, but oh. but Snoop, who's Snoop was Kunti? like, "Fuck that shit!" You know, people yeah. boycott that shit. Don't watch that shit. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, he was like, "I'm sick of seeing my people in that era, you yeah. know, yeah. enslaved and being treated like that shit, yeah. you know." And then what was interesting is that they're finding that traumatic experiences live on in your DNA. Sure. So what happened to your people several generations oh, before yeah. lives on in your, your DNA. Totally. You know, your DNA is much more complex than that. Well, can you, you know? imagine how many souls that were dispatched in those horrible times right. are, are floating around? So maybe the guilt of the way the slave owners treated their slaves lives on in a lot of DNA too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't go one way? You know, absolutely. Why? It's uh, the ignorance of the thing. But there's a cure. Yeah. And their cure is don't think about that shit, and take it for what it is. So, what do you think about? You think he's, he, he? You agree with with Snoop about that? Well, I agree with him, but I don't think going public helps because what he's done now, he's everybody's going to have to watch the roots now. See what he should have done. But maybe he's he's. No, I understand what he's well, doing. Do you think he's awakened his, his fan base at least to say, fuck that shit, I'm not going to support these fucking... Because he, he's... Well, I like, think, yeah, I think you're right there. I think what he's done, he's expressing the rap mentality, you know, which is the rap mentality. is enough of this shit, yeah, you know? We're on, Come on. We're, we're on, on top. Yeah, we're... Yeah, we're, like, like we're on top. Let's, that's let's, right. let's talk about how on top we are. That's you right. Know? That's right. Don't keep reminding us that we once were slaves, you know? But you, do, you think he, do you think he's worried... Or do you think he's, he, he feels that it makes kind of like that victim mentality of some of his people that if they keep watching that, they feel like, oh, man, this is... Instead of seeing, you know, how the success that Snoop and his people have done, driving that kind of feeling of or pursuit of ambition in them? 
Well, yeah, I mean, there's there, there's all of that. But you know what it is? It's reliving horrors, yeah. you know. And, but the Jews do it every year. You know, the Holocaust comes on every year like a, like a, a series. Yeah. And you can watch Hitler. I do all the time. You watch Hitler for about two months yeah. straight. Everything you know, wanted to know about Hitler and the Holocaust, it comes on every year. Yeah, I haven't year. heard any Jews saying, I'm sick of seeing this shit. Or- well, no, because it's, it's a different culture. Right. It's a different culture, but here, here you are. Now the Jews, they were, you know, yeah, it was you're right. like, like the Jews made it a ceremony of getting together with the family and never forgetting what happened. That's right. Right. That's and right. do they well, do, do they, do they do it like in the Baptist black churches? Do they do that no, kind of stuff? They, no, they don't, they don't go there. No, no. Because see what happens, what happened with the black people is they were separated. They were treated like animals, you know? And they yeah. were separated, and so the the family units were broken up, and and, and they and they lost their culture, and they lost, they lost like they, their their ancient ancestors, not ancient, but their African ancestors yes, were yes. stripped of their culture, yes, and and stripped of their language, stripped of their 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 history, you know, and now it's coming back, you know, where where the history is. But what Snoop is saying is that we don't have to keep showing the white man being the dominant figure, and then the other white men that that helped them. As being, you know, oh, is is that the deal? Uh, yeah, yeah, because it's still uh, the uh, heroes, the white guy, as well as the, that's the right. victim that's or right. the, the the villain. That's right. That's right. He uh, there's white guys, and there were white people that were heroes, you know, that died. Uh, but that sounds like a, like an executive move. Like a, well, we can't just have you know white people being. <laughs> Right, right. Well, I mean that's that's history all over. You know, yeah. it's the same thing as, as the Jewish race. You know, yeah. because you look back in their history. If you go back deep enough, they were the ones that caused uh, the word Holocaust. You know, because they mm. cre- they created a Holocaust on other tribes, and, right? And right. so, so it's a whole cycle. But I, I understand Snoop totally. However, it, you it's you got to take what was given to you. And, and that's what it was. And look at the bright side of it, you yeah. know, the, the upside of it, you know, you know, all the all the the, the strength that it that it. Well, we, we got Obama. You know, yeah, there's an example. You know, we, we got a president that's probably going down in history as one of the greatest presidents we've had. Yeah. You know, in spite of what the Republicans like to think. But the truth is, I mean, he, he's accomplished more than the, brought us back from the brink. Brought us, brought us. Sure. He led us to the promised land for sure, man. He's led us right there. And look where look where we're at now. You know, we're on the verge of electing the first woman president, man. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah, and with a Jewish vice president. Oh, I hope you're right. I, so, I, so I Tommy's prediction yeah. is Hillary will yeah. pick Bernie as a running yeah. mate. I mean. I mean, how else can you do you unify the party, right? Like, That's right. That's right. And he does. If anybody deserves, I mean, he's the bringing in the crowds. Anybody, he's bringing in some votes. He's bringing in the crowds. I mean, they're unstoppable, right That's there, right. man. That's right. You know, they're totally unstoppable. Yeah. Together, together. You know, and the thing is about Trump. Trump is is like roots. You know. The white people that think slavery was was uh, uh, all right. Well, no, yeah, they go, they go. The Civil War wasn't about uh, slavery. It was about states' rights. To have slavery. <laughs> yeah. they, leave, they leave that part out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so states rights. States rights. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it's... And that, that's, that was the whole pushback of the civil rights bill yeah. during Lyndon B. Johnson is that the, the blue dog Democrat, what do they call the, the Southern Democrats? Yeah, the Southern Dix, Democrats. The Dixiecrats. Dixiecrats. Were, were opposed to that stuff. Totally. 
and they were they were bringing up it was this theoretical challenge to state rights, you know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Same shit's happened again with the, you know they're trying to do the same stuff with the with sure. the with the transvestites and the and the. But you go down to uh, the museum. LGBT. There. Yeah, you go down to the museum, the L.A. Museum, and there's a tar pit in the back there. Yeah. And there's elephants being sucked into that tar pit. Uh huh. That's the Republican Party. <laughs> That is the Republican Party. They're going down, Jack. And now they're not going down without a fight. Yeah. But they're going down. Yeah. Because those beliefs are outdated. You know, just like this, like the the dial phone. You know. Well, well, they're they're short term. They're a short term organizing method. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can you can organize organize around hate short term. Sure. But you can you're only going to win in the long term by uniting people. Yeah, with love. Yeah. yeah. Hate, yeah. hate is a is a, is a very destructive, you know, emotion. Yeah, very man. destructive. Because if you got nothing to destruct, you will destruct yourself. You will destroy yourself. All right, let's get back to to Napa. So I don't know if my listeners know this or our listeners know this, but but you're not a very outgoing guy as far as like the celebrity kind of hobnob community, right? No, and like it just doesn't. Like you're just not that guy. I have not more with workers at Whole Foods. Like you're you're friendly to everybody. You're cool with everybody. But no, I you don't not. you don't go out of your way to say hi or to you know you know like like start up a friendship with with other celebrities. No, not at all. But Cheech does, and he's good at it. Man. Oh, he's, he's a excellent. master, you know. And he was like, he's like Paris. You know, listen, you know, go and go and tell Lenny we want to go. Lenny Kravitz, we want to go and say hi to him. You know, he's a big fan of ours. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I go, all right, Cheech, I'll do that. You know, that's my job. I got to do whatever Cheech says. And so I went and uh, I told some people, but they were the wrong people to tell. Yeah. You know, they had no power. They're like, oh, yeah, let me check into them. And then then I I found the main guy and I told him that. He says, "Okay, well, let's go talk to his tour manager. You know, and it was like tour manager, tour manager. He says, "Okay, uh, Lenny's just. Uh, finishing his vocalization exercises, and uh, when that's over, I'll give you I'll give you a shout, and you'll come over and say hi. And we did, and I brought you Cheech and Shelby, right? Yeah. And then that was it. That was all that could fit in there. And, and Cheech's friend Yura couldn't make it in there, but I just stuffed Shelby in there because I wanted her to, you know, because I didn't want my mom to feel bad. Like, oh no, I would, I, I, I would have got her. Yeah, you would have got her. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened? I wasn't on the bus, man. Tell me what happened. It was great. First of all, Lenny, he, he, he bowed down, and the, he, he greeted us with, dun 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 <laughs> Then he went on to tell us he knew Robbie and Radon, my daughters. He grew up with them. He was a big Cheech and Chong fan all his life. We changed his life. When he was 11 years old, he took his dad to see Up in Smoke. <laughs> he took his dad. His dad, what, what's this movie? Well, you'll see, Pop. And and his dad looked at him like, oh, oh that's the kind of son I got. Oh, okay. And then he met, then he came over and gave Shelby a nice kiss on the cheek. And Shelby, <laughs> Shelby was like a little, little teeny bopper. You know, she got, oh, my goodness. She got all thrilled and excited. <laughs> you, yeah, you did like, like uh, you did an invitation of her just kind of melting. Like, <laughs> she just melted. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny, you know, there would be a time when I got jealous, you know, when I saw my old lady, especially hitting on, a, you know, yeah. a, a brother like that. Yeah. You know? 
because I grew up with brothers in the band, and you know, yeah. and that's what I had to rescue her from. But I, 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 I just we just had to. Um, yeah, there's Lenny's dad. Yeah, we just look at him. He's he's a white dude. He's yeah. a he's a Jewish white yeah. dude, huh? Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. Cool that, man. That's why that's why Lenny's got a house in Paris and a, and a house in Barbados. Yeah, Cy Kravitz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he lives in. He lives in the, the Sezyem, the 16th district of... of uh, in a house. In a house, man. Yeah. That's a trip. A house in, that's very... In the middle of Paris. That's very art, That's very artsy. Very oh. very storybook rock star, huh? Yeah. Jim yeah. Morrison. Yeah. You know, that whole, that whole poetic uh, Paris living. So his mom was, is uh, Roxy Roker, and Roxy Roker was... Moving on up. Yeah, wasn't she in moving on? She's up? best known for the Jeffersons, the yeah, uh, the, the the half of the first interracial couple yeah. to be shown on regular prime. Isn't that cool? She was part of a re- interracial couple, and yeah. she was acted as the first interracial couple. And then she was, yeah. yeah. I mean, how many people got pissed off at that one? Uh, some, not a lot, not a lot, huh? Nah, not a lot. When I married Maxine, you know, I had no problem. You know, a few times in Detroit, you know, we had a little. Little set to you know, but it was some people serious. just talking shit under their breath. To me, to me, you know, what are you doing here, boy? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, "You wouldn't bring your wife in here." I said, I, "You know, I think I would." <laughs> <laughs> my black wife, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not my girlfriend, but I'd sure bring my wife in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Lenny was cool, and then he gave us a bunch of these VIP passes and said, man, you got you to come watch my show. He even looked up at you guys. And oh, gave, yeah. You know, he you made, know. made sure we were there. His, his tunes are fucking hits, man. He's R&B. Yeah, heavy. I feel like he's, I, I feel like he's R&B. He's like kind of what Jimmy did where he, he took R&B to rock. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I really think he's like a he's like a Jimi Hendrix disciple, but but you know obviously he he didn't do the kind of things Jimmy did like with his guitar. Oh, you know the only difference between R and B and heavy metal or rock, guitar solos, or or no or a, before, dis, a distortion pedal. R, yeah, distortion <laughs> pedal, pedal. But hey, back in the day, like T Bone Walker, he never that was his fingers that made that sound, that distortion sound. Oh, so. So, he made, okay, let's talk about this. This is cool, okay. man. That's cool. Okay, so distortion. Yeah. Because that, that was a big deal, man. That kind of changed the well, whole... Well, you know how I got distortion? I accidentally, I had a hole in my speaker in my amp. Uh-huh. And so it gave that gritty distortion sound. Yeah. And, but then the amp died on me. Yeah. And then I used to go to gigs. But when did you hear it? When did you hear it? Oh, it was back in the 50s. So who who was the first guy you heard hit a distortion with a pedal and with the... There's a, there's a, not a pedal, no, but uh, Hendrix was the first that I heard, that I really listened that to. That did a Yeah, that Wawa. It was a Wawa pedal. Yeah, yeah. That's, that yeah. was, that was the turning point in rock and roll. Yeah. We, we, I think Voodoo Child is one of the most powerful songs oh, ever written. Oh. That whole Chop album. a mountain down with the edge of my hand. Yeah. Oh. God damn. That whole album, Paris. That yeah. whole album. Joe, Ro- Joe Rogan talks about that song. He goes, man, how powerful is this? Changed. Changed everybody's life. Changed my life. I went from wearing Motown suits, having short hair, to the hair is growing long, and we all going to dress. It was, that, it was that album, huh? That album. Because it, it wasn't some white dude that you were like, oh, I want to look at like that guy. No, you no. Know? 
And Maxine, my first wife, Maxine, turned me on to Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Maxine, she worked in a radio station, and so she got one of the first Jimi Hendrix albums no before. Shit. Yeah. And she turned it on to me, and Are You Experienced? And it changed my life. Changed you were like, my life. whoa. And then we go to England with, with Chris Clark, uh-huh. and Jimi sits in with us on the stage at the little club called the Speakeasy. Before he was massive? While he was massive. Because he was still in Europe or, or doing it. He was, he was big in England, and then he came over and had a after, break in. This was after Are You Experienced? Okay. Okay. And, so and, he did and, the big tour. And, and so we're in London at the expense of Barry Gordy. Uh-huh. We're at a little club because we, we wanted a little club to play in. Uh-huh. You know, so we could just not over there. Jimmy hears about us. He comes in with an entourage of about 300 people, <laughs> walks up to the stage, and he recognizes me. He, he says hello to me. Hi, Tom. And then I realized after talking to him that he, he was fans of us from Seattle. When he lived in Seattle, and he was stationed in Woodby Island yeah. in, in Seattle off the coast of Washington, he would come up and see Bobby Taylor in the Vancouver's at night. At, at our club, he, ne- he never talked. He never said anything to us, but he he knew the band. Yeah. And Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's, we were we had a quite a reputation with the R&D Did, did you think about? Oh, okay, I'm going to change my style of guitar. Or, no. When I met Jimmy, you know, like when you got turned on to the music, to, to, <clears> the, <throat> no. to the album. No, no, no. I had my style. <laughs> my style. I was a backup guitar player. I wasn't a lead. Yeah. You know, all the lead players. Could you play solos? Not really. Not as good as as a solo guitarist. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Here's the difference between rock and and R&B. For the most part, the piano or the saxophone was the lead. And, you know, guitar played very, very little until, like, Buddy Guy and Bo Diddley and that. But Bo Diddley, he was a rhythm guitar player. Yeah. Buddy Guy, for for the most part, he was blues guitar player, but it was a harmonica that played lead in all those blues songs. Oh, okay. You see? So guitar... Didn't come lead until Hendrix showed up on stage at Monterey and, mm-hmm. you know, Woodstock. And then from then on, you know, of course, uh, like Led Zeppelin and, and, and the Cream and all that. Yeah. But Eric Clapton, he was a blues aficionado. Yeah. Aficionado. And so Eric, he got that sound without distortion. You know, he got that gritty blues sound. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fingers. You gotta have this powerful. No, fingers. I think I think there's a pedal. There's there was there no, was, no. I'm not, telling you, not man. Back in the day, because when he did the, you know, his songs, there was definitely. Oh no, distortion. no, no. When when you record, you got the whole studio to distort. You can <laughs> you can do anything with the studio. You see, so you don't have to worry about that. No, right, right, right. No, but I'm talking about live because we never recorded. You know, all the blues acts. Back in the day, they yeah. would bring a mic and a recording thing down to the club right. or to the house and record the... B- so who would you... Li- do you remember listening to the record that uh, Maxine gave you? Oh, Are You Experienced? Yeah. Oh, I, I, just, I just lived with that record. I just played it over and over again. So I, powerful, I, huh? Oh, and I had done acid. Yeah. Don't forget, so I, you were I, like- I had done about four or five acid trips by the time I heard, Are You Experienced? So, so then it really you know, blew your mind. Purple haze all <laughs> in my brain. I knew exactly where he was coming from. Right, right, right. And, and so it was, it was such a religious experience. It wow. really was. Wow. Because his singing melted in with his guitar playing. Yeah. You know? And everything melted in together, you know? And then you could see his influence on the Beatles. 
It, it, oh, it, for sure. Man. You, is everybody. It, on everybody. Huh. But but the Beatles, when they came out, oh, and the Beatles had a big influence. And Clapton, but it was the blues guys that had the influence, say, on Eric Clapton first, you know. Like Stormy Monday was the first really bluesy guitar solo that uh-huh. everybody had listened to and said, whoa, got to learn that one. Oh, really? Yeah. And with me, it was jazz with Honky Tonk. Honky Tonk Part 1 and Part 2. Yeah, because cause the, the, the cowboy guys were doing solos. They were, they were big solo guys. You yep. Know? Guitar. Or, uh, you know, but I, steel guitar. Yeah, I always liked like Johnny Cash's guy. He he did like do 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 do. But he would do his he would do his with a very very simple but juicy little little uh, oh, solo. Simple, you know, but cool. Uh, purposely, yeah, purposely, just as simple as you could be because it was easy to record. That's what they learned. Yeah, there was a guy named I think Bowen, Bobby Bowen. Uh, he, uh, he did, there's a, another singer called Buddy Knox, and Bowen. Was a bass player. Okay, we're gonna take another break. But anyway, let me finish this. Okay, Bowen was a a pioneer of simplicity, right? With the guitars. Okay, Okay, let's take a break. Okay, come right back. You're listening to the Tommy Chung podcast only on cannabisradio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com The Tommy Chung Podcast is back. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Well, it's crying time again. You're gonna leave me. I can see that far away look in your surfer eyes. I can tell by the way you hold me, darling. That it won't be long before it's crime time. Well, they say that absence makes the heart grow fonder, and that tears are only rain that makes love grow. But my love for you just couldn't. No stronger if I live to be a hundred years old. 
which will be next year, I guess. <laughs> I like this new new method of because then we don't have to get rights for music. We just I just say hit it, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hit well, it, Dad. <laughs> well, I, I you know I realized watching that movie, Princess. Uh, okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, Princess. I, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Yeah, so, anyway, explain the movie. Is, it's like Princess Grace or Princess something. Anyway, she was on YouTube, and and she sang solo, and she did her own songs on YouTube or on uh, social media somehow. Anyway, this conductor in Israel listened to her and picked it up and said, whoa, this is great. And he wrote a score, and he had all these musicians, great musicians, play the score behind her vocals that she had already done on on, uh, YouTube or whatever it was. And and then they made a movie of it because the thing became, it went viral. It went millions of hits. They loved the song. And then they invited her over to Israel to do a concert. It was the most, it was like Sugar Man, just like Sugar Man. And, and she, oh. You saw it at the Lemley? At the uh, Landmark. Oh, okay, okay. At the Landmark. Let me check. Princess. I'll look it up. It's it's two seconds. Come on, get it, get it. So she, uh, yeah, and she writes her own songs, and then it did a whole documentary about her being in the ghetto, being raised in the ghetto, and that. And she's. Oh. You sure you went to Landmark? Uh, yeah, it was Landmark. No, just a minute. Just I'm sorry. It was. <laughs> where was it? <laughs> Newark. A second, second. Upstairs at the second. No, where the hell? <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't can't remember where it was. <laughs> Is it Limley? Can you find it? Oh man, I'm terrible. Well, I get stoned every time, so I can't remember. That's it. Used to drive Cheech nuts. I tell him I saw a great movie. <laughs> What's the name of it? I don't know. Who's in it? Uh, you know that actor that plays uh, the hero. <laughs> <laughs> with a gun, you know the guy with the gun. <laughs> anyway, it was a great movie. Don't don't miss it because it's going to be on tomorrow. <laughs> oh my god! You find it? I'm looking. That 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 would annoy the shit out of Cheech, man. Oh, yeah, it did. He probably just goes, don't, just don't even talk about it. Don't even tell me. Yeah, that. that's what he did. That's what he ended up telling me. Oh fuck, that's funny. No, it's, it's such a good movie. Oh my god. <laughs> I think it was Lemley. Was it Landmark? No, it wasn't Landmark. It was Lemley. <laughs> Upstairs. God, it was so comfortable. I didn't want it's to... not Concerto or Beethoven Journey. It's not that, right? No, 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 no. No princess. Um, maybe it's off. Maybe it's not playing anymore. Oh, man. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> she sang into YouTube. She sang into it. And well, she had, a, she had a little YouTube page, yeah. and she would sing and yeah. then post it up there, right? Yeah, exactly. And this conductor or composers. It's it's a documentary? Yeah. And it showed her, it showed him in his little kibbutz in Israel. And he's writing all this all this great music. Presenting Princess Shaw? Princess Shaw, there it is. There it is, <laughs> okay. Princess Shaw. Okay. How can I remember Shaw? Oh, Shaw Cable. Okay, Princess Cable. Princess yeah, Shaw. that's cool, man. Oh, she, yeah, it looks good. It got a... Oh. Uh, can, can you... Listen to the music on it? No, we can't. We can't. Oh. No. You could learn the tune and you could play it. 
Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> okay. I'll do that. Oh, I love her. Her music is so It's haunting. cool, huh? Amy Winehouse. That, that's that, that vibe. That's what that, she's uh, got, that sound. She's got that jazz. That jazz training. Throaty huh? voice. Big voice. Oh, not a big voice, but like a authentic. Yeah. So authentic. Cool. I mean, when she talked, it was like listening to a vocalist, you know? Right. She just had that, that, that. Whatever it is, man. That's so cool. I've been, you know, you know, when in my travels in Seattle. Wait, it was so good that the the whole audience. Oh, let me tell you what happened. The movie ends, and no one leaves. Wow. The the credits play with her music, and no one. That's leaves. that's the sign of a good movie, huh? No one leaves. No one moved. Yeah. The lights went on. That's like Sugarman was like that, right? Yeah. No one left. Yeah. It was you're you're just waiting for the next song. Wow. You know? And then when everybody did move, it was the, the, the it was like the applause and the and it was so touching. Because it was a, her story as well as the song. And uh-huh. her song's about a relationship. She's a lesbian and it shows her lover for a minute, you know. Uh-huh. And and it's really cute, you know, because they got the ghetto outfit on, you know. She's got like purple hair. Her partner's got dreads and and they're you know you know they're full-figured women you know mm-hmm. and she works in a in a, a old age home as a as a caretaker right and and she's got siblings and you know and they're they're poor ass ghetto people yeah and, and and when all of a sudden she she started you know when that israeli uh conductor discovered her so he's just combing through youtube combing channels through and YouTube's. just like that's what he was doing, looking wow. for something, you know, interesting like that. Uh-huh. How clever is that, huh? That just shows you the power of the Internet. Can you imagine? Well, that? yeah, it's there. It's there for people to to take advantage of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the people that do yeah. that, that create amazing things, you yeah. know? That connection. Yeah. That connection to this woman that how would he ever connect to? No. Never. I mean, the worlds Never. are so far apart. But <laughs> yeah. look at that one little cable went right to her living room. Yeah, you know. And and he 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 turned around and and he, he saw what he had. He listened to what he had, and it shows him in the process of it. And you know, it's really sweet. They had split screen uh-huh. with a different, like the guitar player and the and the percussionist are in one section, French horns and the violins are in another section, and then they got a little. Like a eight year old girl playing the piano part, and the piano is really simple but so beautiful and haunting. Wow, oh, you got to hear it, man! It's just you got to see the movie, you got to see the movie. It's just takes you on a it is, trip, huh? takes yeah. you on in it, and it's and you get nitty gritty. You remember the movie, was it Precious? Yeah, yeah, that's so heavy. It was of that caliber, living. Of living, yeah, you know, being abused. Oh, you mean that that spirit that she had that that overcame that her surroundings, the and abuse. Her, yeah, yeah, that's what this girl goes through. She talks about the abuse, being abused. Wow, and not just once or twice, but just constantly. Oh shit! And she talks about her her mother's boyfriend. You know, when they got in. Tired of long waits and rushed care at the ER and urgent care clinic. 
Next time, stay home and let Dispatch Health bring the power of the hospital to you. I call Dispatch Health. A care team of medical professionals actually come to your house. They're the same caliber of people that you would see if you were at a hospital or an urgent care. Dispatch Health can treat most non-life-threatening emergencies. They can do the x-rays, they can do stitches. Urinary tract infections, blood tests, urinalysis, ultrasound. It's almost everything that they can do at the ER. You never feel rushed. They're there for you and only you. I felt like their only patient. And it costs no more than a trip to urgent care because Dispatch Health is covered by most insurance, including Medicare. See if we serve your home at DispatchHealth.com. Dispatch Health really went above and beyond. It's wonderful to have care come to your home. House calls are back, and they're better than ever. Learn more at DispatchHealth.com. You could see him looking past the mother and looking at the kids, Mm. picking out which one he was going to get. Oh, it was just so heavy. And then to have that song of hers go viral, you know, and then to see her face when she hears it for the first time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, so really? she could say, oh, my God. 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 That's all she said. Oh, my God. <laughs> she couldn't believe it, huh? <laughs> she, she couldn't believe it. She had no words for it. Wow. That's what do you do? You, all of a sudden, someone picks up your song. I, that happened to me. You know, that really happened to me. I wrote a poem called, Does Your Mama Know About Me? Uh-huh. And this conductor, who was our piano player at the time, he 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 looked at my notes. For some, it was ordained. Anyway, my my, my he just peeked at your little book. My book was open. He walked over. He, he looked at it. He said, "What you got?" And he looked at it. He read it. He said, "Can I take this home?" I said, "Sure." So he took it home. Then he come back. He says, uh, "About a couple of days later, he says, okay, listen to this. I, I need a bridge.'" No and he, and he way. plays. Does your mom know? Oh about me. my God! How exciting is that? And then, and then his bridge, and then, and so Wes, the bass player, and myself, yeah. we we helped him put a bridge together. And and, and what about? And it was dad? a very interesting bridge, right? It was like because I've heard a lot of musicians comment on that bridge. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like uh, instead of a major to minor, it was minor to major. Mm-hmm. No, it was major to major. Yeah. Instead of major to minor, usually it's major to minor, then you know, back to major. But it was. Major, and it was a, yeah, major. So it was like a new sound that people yeah. were like, "Whoa, that's interesting!" Yeah. And it and it kind of well, Tower of Power did it in their song. Yeah, they used it, and it's been used a few times. Yeah, and then and then we did a six eight kind of a feel to it. Yeah, a little jazzy thing, which is kind of a waltz ish. Yeah, yeah, it's a waltz. One two, one two three four five six. One two three four five six. Yeah, yeah. It's a waltz in, in that one area, and then but. What was compelling about the song was the story. But does yeah. your mama know about me? Yeah. That I'm a black man taking out your white-ass daughter. <laughs> so that must have been tripped, that tripped you out, huh? Well, can you imagine? I mean, yeah. here, we're, here we are. We're looking for tunes. We're going to record all of Tom Baird's tunes. Right. You know? That right. was the whole trip. And, but when he saw my, my, my poem and we made that, that became the hit. And it was recorded. Did that give you a little bit of confidence in your life? To, for bigger things later on? Not really. Really? <laughs> no, it was like everything else, you know. It was another thing I could accidentally do. <laughs> it was like a backup guitar player. Oh, you want me to play? Oh, oh, okay. Where, where are we playing? Not how much are we getting, nothing. You know, I never asked for how much we're getting. Yeah. Oh, we're, oh, I, because I write all the time. You know, I've been writing poems all my life. 
And and that's it. That was just another poem. And then the, when it became a song, and then when it became like a hit, it was like, oh wow, that's cool. That's yeah. real cool. Okay, but that was you know, I never you know. I, I and I, so that that's why like like uh, Diana Ross and a lot of those people who covered that song, yeah. they specifically remembered you because the, you remember the song, the writers, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. When, when you yeah. do, when well, you it do, changed, it changed Motown's whole direction. It changed their a lot of their changed their lives. You know, it kicked in, you know, protest songs. Up until then, you know, Motown was singing about my girl and my girl is gone. And, yeah, they you know, were getting political. And, huh? and the whole thing. And, but the minute we got Does Your Mama Nobo came out, then you got Love Child. You got uh, oh. uh, you got all those uh, Papa Woods and Rolling Stone. And, oh. and you got all Real the, cultural songs. What's huh? going on. Oh, that's amazing. See? Yeah. See, it was all... It started off with, does your mama know about me? Yeah, trippy. Because when we were on tour with Diana Ross, you know, I used to do a little rap thing, you know, because Bobby would just sing it, and, and there was nothing, no introduction. So I started doing a little introduction to the song, you know, and I'd ask the people in the audience, would you tell your mama about me? Uh-huh. You know, would you tell your mom about him? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and and we're playing Diana Ross's crowd, and they're mostly white people. Yeah, and so she she got, Diana got a little nervous of that shit, you know, because we used to do another song called uh, Parliament song, called, "Ooh, white girls sure been delicious to me," <laughs> and we used to do that <laughs> before Diana Ross came out, and then we'd get notes from Diana Ross. Uh, please don't do that delicious white song. <laughs> Girls, <laughs> of course. Next time, next gig. Ooh, white girls sure have been delicious to me. <laughs> and then, and then, does your mama know about me? Yeah. So we we started a whole whole brand new uh, approach for Motown. That's a trip. And at the same time, introduced Jackson Five to the world. Yeah. The same time, because that was a song that we were doing when we met Jackson Five. Right. And they were, you know, and Jermaine Jackson loved the song. He recorded it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we became, you know, legends. That's a trip. All all of the, right in Motown. But, you know, I thought I had a career as a songwriter, but it it never panned out, you know. And then I I met Cheech, and then then I found I can write comedy and and songs with Cheech. Yeah. You know, and now I'm kind of at the, point where I'm finally almost 80 years old, I said, well, I'll write some songs for myself. <laughs> you know what? I can sing almost as good as somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not yeah. bad. I'm not bad. I got, I, I got a feel. I can hear when I'm, when I'm off. And that's a very important thing for a singer. Yeah. And then, but there's also just something, there's something interesting, dad, when I, when I watch you sing that, it's like you're. It's like you put in your whole life's experience in those songs, in in what you play. Yeah. You know what I mean. And that's to me what's what's what separates somebody. It's like it's like Johnny Cash with that last album he did. You know, and it was he did like he did a contemporary songs, but he did Johnny Cash way, and they were so deep yeah. because it was like his life, and he didn't fucking live a safe life. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> no, I, I met Johnny one time. He doesn't remember it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole that whole scene. But I think that's what you bring to it now. That's why that's why I still talk about like doing the, the, the cowboy set. Yeah, know? no, I, I definitely want to do it. Did you hear the Cheech reminded me of a uh, character that I was gonna do? 
uh, Wailing Louder. <laughs> Wailing Louder? Yeah. No, no, I yeah. never thought. I was going to do a character called Wailing Louder or Wailing Softer. <laughs> That's his brother. Oh, like a country man? Yeah. A cowboy man? Yeah, just a guy. Wailing Louder. Instead of Wailing Jennings, Wailing Louder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had some funny ideas about that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I enjoy. Well, you know how I learned that the guy that gave me the the white supremacy tattoo on my arm. Yeah, Irwin McCann was his name, Irwin, uh-huh. and he was an old white supremacy biker. I, yeah, you know, he's a, a no, biker from the. The early fifties, yeah, you know the hell's when the hell's angels started from the war. Yeah, he was part of that crew. Oh shit! <laughs> and so he came lived at our house. Uh-huh. I met him. I met him somewhere at a party or something. Anyway, he needed a place to stay, and so I thought, oh, yeah, we got an extra bed, you know. Uh-huh. So he, we used to lay up on my bed, and he would sing really quiet because. When he went to jail, he was put in jail in, in the 50s in, in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, uh-huh. where they had a silent system. Wow. The minute you walk through the door, there's a big sign over the, the gates. Is the silent system is enforced. You do not talk unless, you're, you, ask, unless you have permission to talk. Uh-huh. You don't say a word. And so he, would, he learned how to sing real quietly. And so we'd lay on, on the bunks, and, and he would sing real quiet songs. Like lullabies almost, huh? Well, yeah, like lullabies. He did all the Hank Williams songs, and, you know, Lonesome Train, and all the, the uh, Wings of an Angel, all those prison songs, and, and mostly Hank Williams songs. Yeah. Very quietly and very beautiful. Real pretty, real pretty. Yeah. And so I, I kind of, I remember that really well, you know, because I, I, it, was, it was quite a... Enjoyable thing. Okay, we're going to take another break, or no? We're we're done for this episode. We're done for this episode. Yeah, we're going to do more episodes, right? Yeah. Before you leave. Okay, so if you're lucky. (laughs) Okay, thank you. on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Welcome to my world. From stage to screen, comedy to politics, decriminalize it. He's cannabis's most famous and fearless celebrity. Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. Please welcome the stoner legend himself, Tommy Chong. Welcome to the Tommy Chong Podcast. From this valley they say you are leaving. 
I will miss your bright eyes and sweet smile For they say you are taking the sunshine That has brightened my path for a nice long while Yeah, the sunshine is uh, another word for the weed See, when they legalized weed, when they made it illegal, they took away my sunshine. And so I, that's what the song was all about. This song, anyway. What's up, man? Hey, welcome to the Tommy Chong podcast. It's been a while because we've had technical difficulties. Our uh, main engineer has been <laughs> sick for a while. But he's back. And he's a terrible engineer. <laughs> he's, he's back. He, he, he had to go to engineer school. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with the thing school? <laughs> but he's back, and we got it rolling. Hey, we're rolling. We're man. rolling. We're yeah. rolling. We're making it. It's been it. a long time. <clears throat> I'm not actually rolling because I smoke in a pipe. Boy, what a hectic week, man. It was my birthday, and everybody came out to celebrate it. And I don't, I don't know what to say, man. It was just so much fun. We had uh, the Max Senate Studios in uh, Silver Lake for a, a, a party and a rollout of Chung's Choice, which is my private brand of marijuana products. And we gave it away free at the Max Senate Studios in Silver Lake. We had a good time. And it was a lot of fun. A lot of people were there. Paris, you were there. I was. For I a while. Was. Anyway, yeah. you, Did you get stoned? Yeah, like later on in the night. Not in the know. beginning. Yeah, but I wasn't drinking. I wasn't. I wasn't really smoking. I was just kind of. I wanted to be very present, you know. Because Coherent. I, yeah, because I was like, I was like, kind of the host too. So I wanted to be able to. I didn't want to be. You know that that feeling where you're too stoned or you don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't want to do that. You've been that way for a while now lately. What sober? No, too stoned to talk to anybody. No, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> I looked around at that party, and I couldn't find anybody. Couldn't find Eli. Couldn't find you. Well, you had you had the PR girls, the, the Anderson group, Ooh. following you, t- t- taking you around oh, everywhere. Oh, is that, is that nice? Oh, isn't she a You're doll? You're treated like a, like a oh, real... They're such dolls. Melissa. What's the other... Uh, uh, I'm not it? sure, but James was taking care of you yeah. first. Well, come on, what's her name? The new girl. I don't know, man. Oh, uh, Celeste. I think it's Celeste. Oh God! I hope I'm right. Sorry, sorry. sorry about the cough. Because I just got I got this from my dad. He he uh, shared quit it went with me this weekend. Quit. He had a he's cough, lying, and he's uh, lying, I he's said, lying. "Dad, you're gonna get everyone sick." You got then... it from a half Chinese person, but it wasn't this half Chinese person? I'm I'm afraid. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Man. I'm, I'm talking, talking about a young shit. lady. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna turn your mic down <laughs> if you keep talking that shit. <laughs> I'm talking. About... I'm muting. Oh, there he goes. He's mute. He's muted. <laughs> I'm gonna bring you back slowly. Okay, okay. Yeah, I won't. I won't mention the girl. That okay, that's it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I won't talk about. Her. Oh, there we go. I'm not talking about her. I'm not talking about her. You better not. I'm, no. I'll delete this whole thing. Okay. We'll have to start over. No, I'm not saying anything. I'm not okay, let's talk about your party. Okay, first of all, how old are you? I'm 78 years old. How do you? How old do you feel? Like the comic at the party said. Chong, you don't look a day over 76. <laughs> no, he goes, he goes, man, look at you all. Oh, 
looking like the most interesting man in the world over there, man. You looking good, man. You you looking good. You looking like a you look like you're not a day over seventy six. <laughs> he got me. He got me. No, I'm feeling good. How do you feel compared to last year? Oh, last year I was going through the cancer thing. Yeah. Right? How do you feel since after the Dancing with the Stars? Oh, like a new guy. You know. In fact, I am a new guy. I but you a, feel healthier? I got a new asshole, so yeah. I guess that makes me a, technically a new man. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I'm a new man, or yeah. at least, yeah. Definitely can't be gay, at least on that part. <laughs> well, I mean, now that I think about it, I mean, has have people had sex with the colostomy hole before, you know, or an ostomy? You know, now I'm just saying, right? Like, well, no. It this, may have happened. It, not I'm with, sure... I'll tell you. Not yours, right, Dad? No, you're, no, no. You're an Audi? That, that, that instrument has been uh, put on permanent disabled. There's no feeling there, right? Like, there's no feeling around the... Pain. Or around the bag? Around the, around the bag, yeah. Like no. The actual no. exit hole. Itchy. Your new exit hole. Itchy. The skin where it's the adhesive stuff's on it? Yeah, it's itchy. Yeah. It's itchy. And that's about it. That's That's it. cool, no, it's, it's very cool. I like it, man. I like it. I'm sorry to say, but it saves a lot. I don't get any stomach cramps, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to go through that, you know, trying to hold yeah, back except, a fart. Except for you keep playing with this, like, oh, yeah. I, oh, I forgot a bag. I don't know. I'm like, no, you didn't. You're like, oh, I brought the wrong side. But I don't know. It'll be okay. I'm like, no, it's not going to be okay. <laughs> you can't wing this kind of shit. You well, have to, see, like... <laughs> well, you got to remember, I get used to the smell. Most people around me don't. It's not the smell; it's the it's the <laughs> it's the smell when it comes to Shelby. I'll tell the, you. Yeah. yeah well, you know, every, everything bothers her. She she moves right away. She's if she's, we're on the airplane, she moves to the back row. She's turning to like a an inventor. She's like, don't they have a new one? They have a new one that has a, a different color that you can never see and you never smell. It's completely like unseeable and unsmellable. I like what I what I said on the show today. The, that uh, I told everybody that I'm get, coming up with my new brand, my new line of colostomy bags called the Donald, after my favorite politician, yeah. because it's always full of hot air and bullshit. You know? Yeah. So that you know, I'm going to see if I can do that. You know, get get, a, get my own line. I'll have to talk to the manufacturer. well. We could always we could just draw a marker and do like a little. <laughs> <laughs> a little Donald. But I want to sell them. I want to make them public for people to get. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Did your bags come in the mail by any chance? Not yet. Oh, okay. The new ones, no. I got enough to last me for cool. a couple of days. So we were up in Napa. We did a show. We sure did. I say we because I'm the tour manager. I'm I move shit around on stage and yeah. get it set up. So yeah. I take a little bit of credit. And you you really you look like a real roadie, you know? I mean a, a tour manager. No, actually, you look more like a roadie. I don't know how to take that. I feel no, like, no, I feel like you're talking shit right now. I no, like, it's a compliment. I don't. Compliment. I don't think tour managers don't come on the stage. You know, they they stay in the back. Well, we cheap ass Cheech and Chong tour managers are. are t- <laughs> they do everything. They're 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 they're, they're uh, roadie slash tour manager slash guitar tech slash bass player slash writer slash uh, uh, Shelby uh, Wrangler. Oh yeah, yeah. Sh- slash support writer and support assistant, and uh, yeah, well, and you're not getting paid. I get paid, so no. But I'm I'm saying you're not getting paid, but you should get paid. Nah, but that's the way it is. It's okay. That's show business. 
See, you, you, you do it for the love like I do it. Yeah, it's true. You just love to be out there. And we saw Lenny Kravitz. So, yeah, so we went to, <laughs> we went to Napa, and that was cool, man. We, got to, we, we, we hung out like at a festival. Yeah. You know? It was my, actually, it was my first okay, festival. Let's, so we were there for the culinary show. And that's you, why we were there. Do you want to talk about it, Dan? Sure. Or, or sure. Are, you, are you, or do you not want to talk about that? No, I, I'll talk about anything. Any guy. Are you sure? You know, I want. I don't, you want to hurt some feelings right now? I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings. No. Are you sure? Because no. you were hurting some feelings. You would hurt some feelings if you were honest about what how, what went down. Well, I'm not going to be honest to the point of hurting feelings for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so they did a, uh, they did like the culinary stage, and the culinary stage is where they. They pair up a famous chef with some famous people, and then they kind of cook something in their honor or in their vein. I yeah. guess what they would I would say. Yeah. And so then they have have the celebrities taste the food. Yeah, and they, they participate in it and, and, and you know, help kind of peel onions or you know help help put the sauce on. Yeah. So I gave like so so we're up in Napa. So people turned us on to some really strong weed, right? Very Obviously, strong. Very, very strong. strong. And uh, I handed, well, I said, I said, Dad, do you have a joint? Because I want you to light one on stage. Because I heard Snoop did it, and if Snoop did it, we got to do it. You know what I mean? To yes. keep our rep alive. And yeah, and you were like, Yeah, man, let's do it. And so it started, and then you you took a few tokes, and you, no, well, first of all, it started, and he he's talking to Cheech, and he's talking to me, and I screwed up there. I, I'm going to tell you something. I screwed up because they, I said, Okay, what? Because I was playing a little tour manager there, and I said, okay, what, what mic are we going to use? And they're like, well, we got headsets, and we got you know, handhelds, and I know that headsets are tricky. Like, we use them every time, but they're tricky. Yeah. And you have to have them you know, where close to your mouth, and they, they don't sound good unless you really work on getting the sound right. And there was, right. No, there was no sound check. And I screwed up because I gave you guys the option. And I should have <laughs> just said, listen, we're going to do handhelds because... You speak into the mic, yeah. you know, and if you need to do something, you put the mic down and someone else holds the mic to your mouth and you do it with yeah. your hands. And, but I didn't, I, I let you guys go up there with headsets and yours and Cheech's were okay. They were okay. But then there was a host, this other kind of like, like professional host and he had the, he had the mic. So his mic was loud as fuck, real loud, super loud, yeah. almost like yeah, drown, you, drown everything out. You couldn't hear us. No, okay. So, so. So what I saw was I saw my dad get high and go fucking mute. <laughs> Literally, I think he I think you said about six words throughout the whole show, uh, and those six words were like like whispers, like yeah, it tastes okay. I'm like, I, I I went up on stage and I yelled at you. I said, speak. Yeah, yeah. get involved. Come on, get involved. Speak. I I tell you the truth, man. I was so happy letting those guys do their thing. Because one thing I learned about showbiz, if if you're not doing your thing, shut the fuck up. Get out of the way. Let someone else do it. Don't try to always be the ball hog, you know? Well. It's like basketball. You know, you don't have to be LeBron James, you know what I mean? 
You can you can st- stand back. Be, yeah, but be Seth Curry. Take a shot when you're open and shut the fuck up. But if you're that. getting the Stephon Curry paycheck, you better be Stephon Curry. No, no. There again, you don't. You don't get. I don't get paid by the word. Well, we could have just put up a cardboard cutout of you, Dad. You know, and that would have been okay. You know. Well, not really. <laughs> they wouldn't have gone in for that. They needed me there. And not only that, Paris, but you got to remember, I stole a lot of attention. Because I know every stoner out in the audience was watching me light the joint. And they're watching that joint like, like a dog watches uh, the master with a treat in his hand. Yeah. You know, and so I really did an, I orchestrated a whole number with smoking, smoking on stage Ooh. at this cooking show. Yeah. And I, and I know that I had stoners watching me because that's what stoners do. Yeah, and then you, then you actually threw the joint in the audience. Right? Oh, yeah, then I've shared it with the, the, <laughs> they were, the audience. They were happy about that. Yeah, that, that kept the audience <laughs> happening. And then, yeah, they liked it. Because after, after the cooking show, we went and watched Lenny, and I was up in the VIP section, and I was looking out at the audience, and I had all these fans waving at me, you know. And so I was giving them the the, the deaf uh, applause thing, uh-huh. you know, where you shake your hands like yeah. that. There, I learned that from watching Peter and Niles. Yeah, you know, this is this is how they show excitement. Yeah, the deaf people, you know, they wave yeah. their, wave their hands <laughs> back and forth. I was doing that, and they were waving back at me. And then I realized there was a whole contingent of deaf people down there. And so there, because there, there was a signer yeah, signing over down, on that side, on, on, on the side I was on, and so I had a whole contingent of deaf people waving back at me. That's pretty cool. So I, you know, I, you don't have to speak to entertain or to communicate. You know, I guess so. I guess so. I thought. I thought. I mean, I would have appreciated a little bit more. You know, involvement from you. <laughs> I was missing, you were up there, but I was missing your voice. Well, I never had a chance. The guy was talking. He had his rap about his food, about his meat, you know, and how good this meat is and how good that is. Well, let's let's be honest here. You were, I feel like, I feel like a young Chong, like, you know, like before the movies Chong, would have maybe went hardcore and really spoke his mind about what was going on. About the food? Yeah. And maybe an, an older, more nah, gentle charm. I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, you know. But in the past, I feel like you would have taken that liberty. Had there been a brand to protect, you know, because that's what I, you know, that's like when I went on the Dick Clark show and, and we trashed the state. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. But the thing is, this wasn't the right time to do it. You know, had they, had they. Because I feel like it's like this stage of your career. Well, no, had they, had they picked a, a fight with me. You know, say, you know, somehow, you know, like it was. Oh, like pre-planned. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but oh. but nothing was pre-planned or anything, and so I just had to do it. Yeah, I, I got stoned, man, and when sometimes when I get stoned, I <laughs> shut up. I just sit and watch and listen. <laughs> I try to figure out where I'm at. I, I felt like you were you were actually hovering above your body. I was, you know, like, like there was looking time. down. <laughs> watching the show from a because there was a time the guy never shut up he just kept talking and talking and talking and then Cheech is in there and they're tasting and drinking drinking Cheech's mezcal and and having toast I can't drink that shit so, so I sit there sucking on my joint <laughs> and I was happy you didn't even take a sip anymore of alcohol no no 
I took a sip of brandy. Is it because of the gout, huh? The, the gout is what... Nah, it's, I, you know, I never did like the taste no, of No, but the gout got you off the booth. You were, never, mm. you were never opposed to one or two drinks. No, I actually enjoyed it. No, it was the cancer. Because there's so much sugar in, in booze. Yeah. And so I had to cut the sugar out. Right. And so I just cut, cut out everything, you know, especially, the, especially wine and beer and, and, uh, yeah. and hard liquor. You yeah. Know. I don't miss it. I got my weed. Whenever I yeah. need to get high, I just. I, I, liked, I liked the show. I liked uh, the Napa setup, but I just felt like, you know, there wasn't as many pretty girls as I've seen at festivals. <laughs> and I, I, know I'm, I know I'm not letting that go. I feel like, yeah, Martin, you're feel like right. I'm beating a dead horse, but I just, I just feel like. You got Coachelloed. Yeah. I, See, once you get Coachelloed, well, it's hard to get I just uh, feel like, I, like there's a, like, like beautiful women in festival, music festivals are synonymous. You know, they're like, they, they mold together well. And then this was my first experience at a, a music festival without that. Yeah, that part. And, yeah, yeah. And, well, look at the draw. You know, Lenny and, and Stevie well, Wonder. No, I think it's that's R and B. I think it's just real couples. Like, you know, I always notice this. Like, nor- yeah. Northern California, colder places. You're not too choosy about the girls. You just pick one, and that's your girl. Or, you, or they pick you. Yeah, well, but you just hug up before the season oh, starts. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> or else, because the last place you want to be is in a cold place without, alone. Without, alone. <laughs> right? Without, without someone to cuddle up and go and yeah. spend time and, with and, the fire, you know? Some of them with the body heat can keep you warm for days. True. You're not, you know, and that's cool because you that's, wear a lot of layers. So you're not like, you're not too concerned about, you know, and those, also, those jelly rolls. Also, when you're getting into it, unwrapping. Those outer clothes can be like unwrapping a Christmas present, you know. Ooh, ooh, and what do we? What did Santa bring me today? Ooh, there's a nice one. Mmm, smells good too. Mmm, fresh. Mmm, newly washed. All right, I like that. Mmm. <laughs> no, I like that. I, but I, I told you, I said, man, you know. It wasn't this half Chinaman that did it. And I know where you got your coal from. It was, it was sharing all those joints at your party. Were you, you, were, you were sharing quite a few joints. You got, you got pretty stoned at your, house, at your ooh, party. Ooh, I got, I got pleasantly stoned. You know, you know the first, for the first part of the party, you know, the, the red carpet? Yeah. And the photos and all that stuff? You weren't stoned. I wasn't stoned at all. Perfect. And so you were really you were on on your game, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I realized it's my party, and I'm not <laughs> getting high. What kind of fucking party is this, garçon? S'il vous plaît, el jointo, muy grande, fired up. Yeah, I had a yeah. I'm looking around. What is wrong with this picture? I got more high when I was doing the movie with Robbie and Dave than I did at my party, which which I don't. I don't particularly think that was a good idea, but, you know. Sure. No, no, getting high and, and doing anything is well, a good well, idea. Well, as long as you're doing the, the, the Chong tokes, you know, because lately you've been doing, you know, the Snoop Dogg tokes. And uh, when you do the Snoop Dogg tokes, you check out. You're like, I'm done. That's enough. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's a change. Okay, we're going to go to break. We're going to go to break and come right back. You're listening to the Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Tommy. 
Tired of long waits and rushed care at the ER and urgent care clinic? Next time, stay home and let Dispatch Health bring the power of the hospital to you. I call Dispatch Health. A care team of medical professionals actually come to your house. They're the same caliber of people that you would see if you were at a hospital or an urgent care. Dispatch Health can treat most non-life-threatening emergencies. They can do the x-rays, they can do stitches. Urinary tract infections, blood tests, urinalysis, ultrasound. It's almost everything that they can do at the ER. You never feel rushed. They're there for you and only you. I felt like their only patient. And it costs no more than a trip to urgent care because Dispatch Health is covered by most insurance, including Medicare. See if we serve your home at DispatchHealth.com. Dispatch Health really went above and beyond. It's wonderful to have care come to your home. House calls are back and they're better than ever. Learn more at DispatchHealth.com. Tired of long waits and rushed care at the ER and urgent care clinic? Next time, stay home and let Dispatch Health bring the power of the hospital to you. I call Dispatch Health. A care team of medical professionals actually come to your house. They're the same caliber of people that you would see if you were at a hospital or an urgent care. Dispatch Health can treat most non-life-threatening emergencies. They can do the x-rays, they can do stitches. Urinary tract infections, blood tests, urinalysis, ultrasound. It's almost everything that they can do at the ER. You never feel rushed. They're there for you and only you. I felt like their only patient. And it costs no more than a trip to urgent care because Dispatch Health is covered by most insurance, including Medicare. See if we serve your home at DispatchHealth.com. Dispatch Health really went above and beyond. It's wonderful to have care come to your home. House calls are back and they're better than ever. Learn more at DispatchHealth.com.